imagine this. Over 2,000 years ago, a baby named Jesus was born. They called him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But guess what? It's not just an old story. It's your story for today. God's not some faraway thing. He's not just for special people or back on the old days. That baby born in Bethlehem, he's still right here with us now. We're on a journey this Christmas, from the stable to today, and we're celebrating the daily presence of the King of Peace. He's the one turning our dark days into light. He's now and forever, the beginning and end. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph was betrothed to be married to Mary, and he knew that his life was going to change. And I'm sure in that moment, he thought for the better. Little did he know what was coming. First, he gets word that Mary is pregnant. He knows he's not the father. And so the Bible says that because he was an honoring man, because he was a godly man, he wanted to protect Mary as much as possible. So he sought to divorce her in quiet. Not to make a big deal about it. Not to draw attention to it. But then... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he, the angel says to Joseph, the child is the work of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph is to take Mary to be his wife. And along with Mary, he is to raise the Son of God. He is to raise Jesus. You talk about Emmanuel, God with us. Can you imagine but again, Joseph doesn't know all that, all that that's going to mean for him. But we read this one little verse that says so much about the heart of Joseph. It says so much about who this man was. And I wonder, if you were in his situation, what would you do? But here's what we read. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. Now, what would that mean for Joseph? Well, he knew, at least in the short term, that was going to come with a great cost. That was going to come at a great price. Mary was pregnant. He was, people, some people would point the finger at him and say, you disobeyed God, and before the wedding, you were with Mary, and she became pregnant, and people would talk about him and would question his righteousness, would question his commitment to God. Then there would be others that would point the finger at Mary and say, I can't believe she did that. And why would Joseph marry a woman like that? But Joseph got up, and did everything that the Lord, that the angel had commanded him. And he obeyed God. And he took Mary home with him to be his wife. The story doesn't, for Joseph doesn't get any easier from there. I got to imagine there was so much gossip and so, much, so many comments from family and relatives and friends and, and those who maybe didn't like Joseph. And so we see that when Mary was great with child, the, the Roman census required that Joseph travel to Bethlehem from Nazareth. And she's great with child, and they make that journey together, and it's not long after they arrive that Mary gives birth to the promised Messiah. 
to Jesus. But it's not in some warm quarters. It's not in some protected space. The only room that was available because of the census, the only space that was available was what was probably just a cutout of rock that was used to house animals at night to keep them somewhat protected. And it was there that Jesus would be born. I wonder if Joseph wondered, God, why does this have to be so hard? We know that they stayed somewhere between uh, a week and two years there in Bethlehem. They didn't go back right away to Nazareth. Why is that? We don't really know. My guess is because of all the things that were being said and all the gossip and all the things that were being talked about. And then an angel warns Joseph one night in a dream that the wise men had reported to King Herod, the Roman king of Judea, that a king of the Jews had been born in the area of Bethlehem. And he sent out an edict that every child, every male child in Bethlehem and the vicinity around was to be killed. And so Joseph took Mary and his young, young child and off they went to a foreign land, to Egypt, where they didn't know the language, they didn't know the culture, and there they go to live for a season of time. They knew, they didn't know how long, they just knew this is where God was calling them to be. And it was a while before King Herod would die. And the Lord said, now you can go back. You can go back to Israel. They were afraid to go back to Bethlehem and Jerusalem because they weren't sure what the, the new king would do. And so they went back to their home of Nazareth. And there they raised Jesus. The next thing we know... Jesus is 12 years old, and, and the family has traveled with all the other Jews from their area, family and friends and all of their neighbors, and they've traveled down for one of the great Jewish holidays, the Passover, and they travel to Jerusalem. And after the Passover, everybody was leaving, going back to their hometowns, to their communities, and Mary and Joseph think Jesus is with family or friends, and it's a day out of the journey that they realize Jesus isn't with them. And they turn around, they travel all the way back to Jerusalem, that day's journey, and where do they find Jesus? Their 12-year-old son sitting in the temple courts, listening to the teachings of the religious leaders and questioning them. They confront him because they were so scared for his safety. And Jesus responds with these words, I have to be about my father's business. Their 12-year-old son. He's not talking about Joseph's business. He's talking about the work of his father in heaven. So many challenges. The next thing we know, Jesus is beginning his, his ministry, his, his ministry of three years of, with his disciples. And at this point, Joseph is gone. Joseph has already died. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, wow, why would he do all of that? Because you see, now hear this. Here's what we do. We always focus on the cost of following Jesus. But what we don't focus on is the cost of saying no to Jesus. We focus on what it's going to cost us to 
engaged in the kingdom of God in our generation. But what we don't think about is what is the cost of not doing what God has called us to do, of not living the way that God has called us to live. I was thinking about this for Joseph. What would it have meant if Joseph, when he awoke that morning, said, you know what, I don't want this. This is going to be too hard. I don't want this. I'm not going to do this. You see, we think about all that it cost him to say yes to God. What if he had said no to God? I was thinking about that. He would not have had the opportunity to raise the Son of God. I wonder, what would it have been like sitting around the table of Joseph and Mary, and it was Jesus' turn to share the devotion? Can you imagine? As Jesus unlocked the Old Testament, as Jesus shared the wisdom and the insights of the Word of God that we could only dream about. Can you imagine what it was like when Mary and Joseph were trying to make a decision and Jesus would bring wisdom and clarity to that moment? Can you imagine what it would have been like to raise a perfect child? I know I didn't. Can you imagine? And I was thinking about this. Can you imagine? Listen to this. He got to marry the woman that God chose to raise her very son. He got to be Mr. Mary. Think about that. Think about all that he would have missed out on had he not been part of the plan of God. Yes, it cost him, but he got to live with Emmanuel, God with us, in a way that we look forward to one day as we stand in the presence of the living God. Friends, I want to suggest to you that what we often do is we look at what a choice will cost us and we say no. What we don't ask is, what is the cost of saying no to God? What is the cost of saying no to the plan of God? Is the plan of God often scary? Yes. We don't know what God has in store for us. He doesn't show us all that's going to happen. He just says, go. Speak. Love. Share. Engage. Be part of the world in such a way that we are light and salt in this, in this world. That we are sharing with our neighbors. That we are sharing with those we go to school with. We are sharing with those that we work with that we are sharing with our family, that we are witnesses and ambassadors for Christ. Does Does that cost us something? Yes. But I want to suggest to you the greater cost is saying no. One of the things that was hard for me over the years um, because I was a, I did, I'm not Dutch. I have no Dutch blood in me, but boy, am I Dutch. Um, When we first went to Michigan, Beth said, because there's so many Dutch people, Beth said, what does it mean to be Dutch? And they said, you like a nice lawn and you're cheap. And Beth looked at me and she said, honey, you're home. (laughs) It was a battle for me over the years as I grew in my faith to become somebody who was generous. Now I love being generous. 
Because you see, when I gave, I used to think about what I was giving up. Now when I give, I think about what I'm receiving and getting to be part of something that's bigger than me. Getting to be part of something that way I get to see God do what only he can do. Joseph got to see God do what only he could do. Why would we ever say no to God? Jesus describes it this way one time. He says, the kingdom of God, I want you to hear this. This is such a staggering passage. There's another verse, that, verse 45, that shares another illustration in one verse that basically is saying the same things. But I'm just going to give you this one this morning. The kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, it's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found that treasure, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. What does this mean? Okay, this, for you and me today, we hear this, and we're thinking, wow, that just sounds kind of strange, but actually it's not strange. Back in that time, people didn't put money in banks. They would dig a hole, and they would bury their treasure. Now, sometimes people, and this happened generation after generation after generation after generation, sometimes pe people would die and never told anybody where the treasure was. Or a foreign power would come and would destroy the nation, and all those treasures would be hidden in a field. So people are out there, and you're, this, the way the story goes, this, isn't any, uh, this didn't really happen in this way. Jesus is just, just using a parable, a story to describe what the kingdom of God is like. There's a man out there, he happens to be working a field, comes across a treasure, and he realizes the value of that treasure. It's extraordinary. And so he goes, he, with joy, he sells everything that he has, and he comes back, and he buys that field. He's given up everything to have that field. Why? Because he knows the treasure in that field is more valuable than everything that he has. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is that treasure. Jesus is that treasure. If we only knew how extraordinary that treasure was, with joy we would sell all that we have, we would give everything that we are, everything, we would withhold nothing from God with joy. That's what Joseph did. He withheld nothing from God, and with joy, he got to experience the treasure of Emmanuel, God with us, as we raise him. Friends, this morning, I want to talk with you about three choices, three choices that we have to make that can deepen our awareness of God in human flesh, of God with us. And if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 25, 25 to 30, one of my favorite passages. In fact, I often share this in funeral services. But I want you to hear this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about the kingdom of God. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, 
and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. God, every believer, God has given us the ability to know God and to know Christ. And then he goes on and he says this, Come to me, all of you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Are you weary? Are you burdened? For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I want to share with you three choices that each of us have each and every day of our lives. And the question is, will I be like Joseph? And will I say, yes, Lord, I will do all that you have commanded me. Yes, Lord, I will belong to you. Yes, Lord, I will follow you. Yes, Lord, I will give up all that I have, my past, my present, my future. I'll bring it all at your disposal, Lord. You use all of this for your glory. And so here are the three choices that lead to a deeper intimacy with Emmanuel, with God, with us. Here's the first one. Will I believe that Jesus is who he claims to be? Will I believe that? What I have found in my life is that many people honor Jesus from their perspective. They respect him as a great teacher. In fact, you've probably heard about people that talk about some of the teachings of Jesus, but they don't believe in him. They don't believe he is who he claimed to be. He claimed to be God in human flesh. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be the Messiah, the, the, the Christ, the promised one. Ah, no, that's too much. But boy, did he give us good moral teaching. I'll never forget a time when I was working with teenagers. Uh, I was a seminary intern up in the state of Washington, working with high school students. And I can remember we did a, a, a series looking at the heart of God for the poor in our world. And and we really dug in, and we did some trips, and we did some really wonderful things. And then I got a call from an irate parent. I got a lot of those over the years. But an irate parent who said to me, you know what? I don't send my daughter to youth group to get serious about Jesus. I send her to youth group so that she will live a good moral life. And I said, well, I'm sorry, I'm the wrong guy. Because the best thing for your daughter is to be serious about Jesus. We agreed to disagree. But from his, con- his perspective, which is not that uncommon, I don't want to be serious about Jesus. I just want $3 of Jesus. I don't want enough of Jesus that my life is going to be transformed, that I'm going to do something crazy like living for him in my world. I just want enough of Jesus to make me feel safe and comfortable and secure. That is not, that is not what Joseph chose, and it is not what God calls us to choose. You see, Jesus 
in this passage, we see things, just a few things about Jesus that he says are true about him. First of all, he claims to be God. He, ref- he refers to God in language that nobody would ever use. In fact, some people believe that they crucified Jesus because he would dare to call God Abba, which means daddy, father. He refers to him as father, my father. That intimacy that God longs for for each one of us, Jesus illustrates that for us. He was the child of God. He was God in human flesh. We who believe in Jesus, we are adopted children of God. He becomes our father the moment that we believe. But Jesus claimed to be God in human flesh, uniquely related to God uniquely walking with God. A second thing that he claims in this passage is that he had received all things from the Father. All authority of God had been given to him. I think it was Thomas Jefferson that went through his Bible and cut out every reference to any kind of miracle of Jesus because in his mind, that was impossible. And so he cut out every, everything in the Gospels that talked about any miracle of Jesus because in his mind, Jesus did not have the authority of God. You see, we want Jesus, we try to craft Jesus into an image that makes us feel safe and comfortable. And Jesus will not tolerate that because he wants more for us. All authority has been given to him. He is sovereign. He is in control. He is Lord. He is God. And he is the one who watches over all of the universe. He sustains the universe. He sustains our lives. Friends, that is the one who he claims to be. And he says that no one can know the Father except him, except Jesus. And to know means not just to know about, but to know. To know by encounter, to know by relationship. He says, no one can know the Father except me and those whom I give, whom I reveal him to. Isn't that extraordinary? I remember when I first came to faith as a teenager, and my eyes were opened. I had been going to church because I liked Heidi Meisenheimer. And and I had no idea. I had no idea. And all these talks that I heard over the years, how extraordinary God really is. And then I got to start to get to know him for myself. That's extraordinary. We're going to hear more about that next week. But here's the first, here's the first invitation. Will I choose to believe Jesus as Jesus claims himself to be? Will I take those claims of Jesus about himself and say, yes, Jesus, that is who you are? Here's the second thing, and this kind of goes to the other extreme, and that is there are people who have all the right doctrine and theology about Jesus, but he's like a million miles away. They have no relationship with him. Those Those were the religious elite of the time of Jesus. The, the Pharisees, they really had a good theology of God in general, but they didn't know God, and they didn't even recognize him 
when he walked in their midst. There are people who know right theology, but they don't know God. And so Jesus came to us for the purpose of relationship, that we would know him, that we would encounter him, that we would walk with him. God with us, Emmanuel. And the God who came 2,000 years ago, as we celebrate every Christmas, is the God who comes to every heart who makes room for him. And so the question today is, will you make room for him? Will you say yes to him? Jesus says these incredible words. He says, come to me. Come to me. It's not just come to church. Yes, we should be in church. Hebrews says that we should be together as God's people, worshiping together. We should be in one another's presence, worshiping together. But it goes on and it says that we are to know him and encounter God. This is why we come to church together. We worship together that we may know God, that we may know him in our lives, that we may meet with God. That's why we come together as a community of faith, is to meet God together as his people. It doesn't say, come to the Bible. This is the Word of God. And if you know me, you know that I have great honor and respect for the Word of God. This is God's Word. All of it. I believe it. But the purpose of the Bible is to take me to Jesus. I don't study this book like a textbook. I read to encounter Jesus. I read to come to Jesus. I read to allow God to speak to my heart and to speak to my life and to transform me. When I preach to you, you've heard me say this before, but when I preach to you, I'm preaching to me. I'm just sharing with you what God has said to me in challenging me to become a better disciple of his. And so the point is coming to Jesus. Come to me, Jesus said. Believe in me, Jesus said. Walk with me, Jesus said. Give your life to me, Jesus said. Follow me, follow me, Jesus said. Come to me. How does he describe all you who are weary and burdened? You know, I have been physically fatigued, and it feels good. I have been emotionally fatigued. And it wipes me out. Rest for our souls is the promise of Jesus. Now, how does that come in the midst of it? There's lots of ways that that comes. But when we sit in the presence of Jesus, when we are in his presence, we are reminded that he is the great treasure. And no matter what we face in this life, it pales in comparison to the great treasure of the kingdom of God. Come to me, Jesus said, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then the third invitation, the third choice that leads to greater intimacy with Christ is this. Oh, let me read this to you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, when we are called to follow Christ, we are summoned to an exclusive attachment to his person, 
the grace of his call bursts all the bonds of legalism because it's a relationship. It's a gracious call, a gracious commandment. I love the way he said that. And for those of you who think that Jesus was just talking to the people of that day, listen to this passage in Revelation 3.20. Now remember, this is, this is the angel of the Lord speaking the words of God to the church at Laodicea. Christians, when I heard this verse as a young believer, it was always in reference to non-believers. That's not the passage. The passage is talking to Christians. He's talking to everybody who's given their life to Jesus. What does he say? He says, here I am, Emmanuel. I am present. God with you, God with us. I stand at the door and I knock. He knocks. Listen to this. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. That image of eating is the picture of fellowship. It's the picture of community. When I was growing up, food was just something to get in your body and get back out and play. Yep. Four boys. We didn't sit down long enough for my mom to even know we were there. But in that day, it was sitting around the table and fellowshipping together. For Christians today, God stands at the door of your heart and he's knocking. But I wonder if we hear the knock. I wonder if we're opening the door and sitting with him and he with us. And here's the final The final thing I want you to see, will I choose today to surrender everything that I have with joy, with joy, in order to follow Jesus? This is the decision I need to make each and every day of my life. Will I give up everything to follow Jesus? Do I really believe that the treasure is more valuable, is greater than everything else that I have? Do I really believe it? Do I really believe that that's true? It it amazes me the things that we treasure. Um, My parents are now gone and we had to empty the house and they did a big estate sale. I couldn't believe how little all of that brought. It's not worth anything. The treasure is the kingdom of God. The treasure is Jesus. And we experience that treasure when we choose to yoke ourselves to Jesus in such a way that we walk with him in our lives. Listen to, here. this is the picture, because here's what he says. This is what Jesus says. He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, what's a yoke? A yoke is that wooden piece that is connecting those two ox in creatures those big cows. These were used, these, these, these ox would pull, would pull equipment through a field. And every ox is, is a different size, is, is made differently. Jesus was a carpenter. That doesn't mean he did finished carpentry. It didn't mean that he did 
cabinets and things like that. Mainly, probably what he did were yokes. And he made the yoke would be crafted to specifically fit that particular ox. You couldn't put a yoke from this ox on this ox because it would chafe. They would bleed. It would, it would cause trouble for the ox. They wouldn't be able to pull because of the pain. What they would typically do is take one young oxen, cow, and they would connect it with another one that was more mature. And then being connected, that older one would train the younger one and they would learn. The baby would learn from the older one. What is Jesus saying? He is saying that we are to be yoked to him. We are to learn from him. Listen to what it says. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. We're going to talk more about that next week. For I am gentle. Jesus is gentle. And he's humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Why? Because you're living the life you were created to live. And in the presence, you are encountering the God with us. We know him, and we're going to see more about that next week, what happens in this process. But we learn from, we learn by being yoked to Jesus. <clears throat> and he goes on and he says, you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. It fits you. My burden is light. It fits you. I love what I do in my life because I know that this is the yoke God made for me, and it fits who I am. Is it easy? No. Does it cost me a great deal? Yes. Would I want any other yoke? No. It doesn't chafe, and I feel often that great sense of deep rest, even in the midst of confusion and conflict and struggle and fears, all the things we all live with. I'm going to close with this remarkable story it comes from a man named Brendan Manning, and it, his book that he talks about this is Abba, Abba. And the story is about a priest that comes to visit a man who was dying. Uh, his daughter had called and asked the priest to come and <clears throat> to serve communion and to pray for her father. So the man knocks on the, the bedroom door, he comes in, and he, and he looks, and there's an empty chair next to the bed, and he says, oh, you were expecting me. And the man says, I wasn't expecting you. I don't know who you are. And he says, well, I'm the new priest at the uh, church here close to you, and, and I'm here to, your daughter asked me to come and serve communion and pray with you. And he says, oh, okay, that would be great. And, he, and he, the priest goes over, and he starts to sit in the ch empty chair, and he says, whoa, 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 you can't sit in that chair. And he, the priest looks at him and says, well, why? He says, well, you've got to close the door first. So he goes and he, he says, I don't want my daughter hearing this. She'll think I'm crazy. So he goes over and he closes the door. And he comes back and he says, this is my Jesus chair. He said, you know, as I was growing up and as an adult, I would hear, prayer, I would hear sermons on prayer and it just went over my head. He said, and I felt at a distance from God. He said, so one day, a friend of mine, as we were talking, he said, 
why don't you do this? Just put an empty chair in front of you and just imagine Jesus being present with you and talk to him like you would anybody. And he said, you know, it just deepened my prayer life. It just transformed my prayer life. He said, I just feel so connected to God and, and I know that God is with me and that's why I'm not afraid of dying. And they did their thing together, they prayed together, received communion, the priest left, and a couple days later he received a call from the man's daughter. And she said, well, first of all, I want to thank you for coming to visit my dad, but I also want you to know that my dad passed away today. She said, I'd gone out, everything was fine, I went out to run some errands, came back. When I came into the room, my dad was, was gone. He said, but there was something really strange. And I know this is going to sound strange. But he died half off his bed with his head on the chair. I love that picture. God with us. He does not stand at a distance. Come to me, Jesus said. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word that teaches and inspires and gives us a vision of what reality can be. God, I ask that you would speak to every heart here. For those maybe who have never said, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. God, would you open your, their hearts and their minds? Would you reveal yourself to them? Father, I pray that for those who, who have walked with you for a long time and maybe have just grown stale or just kind of just feel at a distance from you, Lord, I pray that in this Advent season, this Christmas season, they would respond to your invitation to come to you, Jesus, and to take your yoke upon themselves and to be yoked to you, to learn from you and to follow you, to abandon everything in faith and trust. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Music